Welcome back to the Epic Sneakers Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Ray, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm recording this the day before, um, so hopefully everyone's getting a bit of time off to relax, whether it be work or school or other occupations. Um, Anyhow, let's just jump right in. Uh, with our sneakly update, our weekly sneaker update. Uh, last week, I'm sorry, I left out information regarding the shock drop of the Air Jordan 11 Jubilee that released on a sneakers app. Of course, I missed out, uh, but I did get the notification. I just didn't make the cut. <laughs> Um, now, the Jubilee was released to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Air Jordan 11, designed by Tinker Hatfield. Back a few days ago, on November 21st, Nike released the SB Dunk High Mallard with Concepts, the Boston local sneaker shop. Uh, they have a location in um, Cambridge, Mass., and also one on Newbury Street, and the street over from it. This uh, Dunk High Mallard was originally dubbed the Turducken, so I'm quite relieved that they switched up the name. Uh, starting from the bottom of the shoe, we have a light peach outsole that's reminiscent of the colors found on the Jordan 1 Biohack released a little bit ago, and the midsole is more of a sunset orange color, but it's very light and faded. Moving towards the upper of the shoe, we have many different textures and materials. That's something I love to see. It gives the shoe depth and character and makes it look like a sing- less like a single plane. I, lo- I love to use the Air Force One as an example. The white on white Air Force One looks like a flat plane of a shoe, but then Virgil did his take and you get different layers, different heights, different panels and textures. Um, and it makes it feel like a shoe with much more personality and character. Uh, so I really love to see different textures, materials, and I guess you could almost say heights and layers on a shoe. Now for the uh, mallard, we start at the mudguard, and we have what appears to be a long-haired brown suede, and the toe box is a light tan leather. The eyelets of the shoe are the same material and color as the mudguard, and have light tan ovalaces moving through them, which complement the light tan toe box. Now, oval laces, not flat laces. I have had a problem with these because they remind you of the cheap running shoes you had in grade school. Um, but on the dunk, they don't look that bad. Uh, and I think because it's a slimmer shoe, um, with the Jordan 1, it's not as slim a shoe as the dunk. Uh, so it looked pretty off on those Kodak JP Midnight Navies uh, that released last week. But on the dunk, they don't look as out of place. I do have to say that. Nestling underneath the laces is a bright, reflective, light green leather tongue, which is both unnecessary and distasteful, in my opinion. But it does add some flair and life to the mostly muted shoe. So for those who don't usually wear muted shoes, but like some character and flair, um, or, you know, I won't use character because it would have had character. Um, without it. I'll say flair and vibrance to the shoe. Uh, that would be something you enjoy. For me, it's uh, it's a bit too much. 
However, the Nike tab on the tongue is also a bright yellow. So we get a ton of color on the tongue and in this one spot. Now the panels where the swooshes lay are very strange, but that's not to say they're not pretty cool. And it looks a bit like straw or feathers and the panels have all these strands that curl out and look somewhat abrasive. Um, and on top of that panel on the side, this is where the swooshes lay. And each side of the shoe has a different colored swoosh. On the medial side, we see a bright green iridescent leather swoosh that's made up of the same material as the tongue. Uh, and on the outer side, we see an iridescent bright blue leather swoosh. Uh, this is unnecessary. I wish it was just kind of a, maybe a brown suede swoosh or a uh, brown tumbled leather swoosh, something that tied in with the rest of the shoe. Uh, I really think this makes it look a bit amateur and uh, too playful. Um, and it kind of takes it away from the autumnal theme of Thanksgiving and uh, the, the aesthetic that comes with fall. One thing I really like about the shoe is the rear quarter panel. It's super nice. It's a very dark brown plush leather, long haired and underneath that reaching up to the very back of the shoe. There's a deep matte black leather that really looks high quality. You know, while there are a few elements of this shoe that are not really congruent with what I believe is a nice looking shoe, I do have no doubt that a lot of thought was put into it. Um, but again, sadly, the bright colors that pop up around the shoe still bother me. I really wish the tongue and swooshes were made up of a higher quality material and more muted in color. Um, so it really deserved, so it felt like it deserved to be released in unison uh, with uh, this fall break. I do think though that my favorite part of the shoe is the inner lining. It's beautiful, almost Japanese inspired, um, being that it's constructed with a light cream colored leather background. Um, I believe it's probably pigskin leather uh, because that's the favor favorable choice for linings. And it has these beautiful deep blue prints of tiny birds flying, a mallard in the water, leaves, wheat, other grasses, and the word concepts written in cursive in that uh, dark blue also. This does sound like a lot to have on the inside of a shoe, but the way they used the space really was wonderful because they left a lot of empty space just for this kind of cream colored manila colored leather just to be there. Um, so there's a really good balance between illustrations and empty space. Also, a really cool bit is that on the Nike tag at the top of the tongue, on the back side, you have the Concepts Double C logo. Uh, this is pressed into the leather uh, in white, facing the interior of the shoe, facing the wearer. And underneath that logo, it says Concepts in all caps. And all of these interior uh, elements, uh, it's all kind of reminiscent of a Travis Scott shoe um, in terms of hiding cool logos and features around the shoe. Um, now, finishing off the Dunk High Mallard, on the insole, you have this same cream color background with more burrs leaves and just the words Nike SB with a swoosh. Next up, we got another Dunk. We got the release of the Cactus Plant 
Flea Market, times Swarovski Dunk Low Pure Platinum. This is a wild shoe. Uh, the LA company Cactus Plant Flea Market, um, I believe made their largest impact on streetwear with the women's Vapor Max and Blazer Mid they released in 2019. Um, this was with Nike as well. The Dunk Low though is not an SB Dunk. And I realized that in some ways, releasing well thought out normal dunks make the shoe more widely acceptable and wearable. People start to wear, want to wear dunks more and they won't feel the need to spend money on dunks because Nike is heightening the quality of these standard dunks and getting well-known companies to collaborate on this more standard silhouette. I, I think that's pretty cool though. Um, and for those who don't really like the fat tongue on SBs, but they like the aesthetic and quality of uh, dunk collaborations, this makes the shoe much more appealing and also accessible and wearable because <laughs> it won't have the overly stuffed tongue um, that you find on the SBs. Now, this Cactus Plant Flea Market Dunk, again, is wild. It's a bright platinum shoe. The material of the upper is constructed entirely of a light gray slash white suede, but obscuring every inch, every millimeter of that suede upper are Swarovski crystals. And I mean every inch of that upper with real Swarovski crystals. This shoe is going for thousands of dollars right now. Um, so sadly is not something I'll be able to pick up. The only spaces without blinding lights are the midsole, outsole laces, uh, and the interior, of course. But all the rest is, is just completely covered in these crystals. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> One cool factor to the shoe, though, is the oversized swoosh. Uh, and this was taken from the blazer mid that Cactus did back in 2019 with Nike. I believe this is the first time I've seen an oversized swoosh place on Nike Dunk. No, the off-white rubber dunks do not count. I am talking about the classic dunk silhouette. Anyhow, this platinum colorway is also accompanied by a green edition of the shoe. And I believe it's called the Spiral Jade. And it's beautiful. Um, it's a lot, while it is covered in crystals all over, it's a bit more low-key and not as pop star-like um, because of the more emerald, darker tone to it. Now, on the 19th of November, Adidas collaborated with PlayStation and Marvel and Adidas. Uh, yeah, it's tired. Um, it's late. <laughs> um, anyhow, th this is on a, uh, on an Adidas superstar. Um, and the colorway is dubbed Spider-Man's Miles Morales. And Miles Morales is an alternate Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. Um, and these are based off of the shoes he wears in the video game coming out on PlayStation. The sneaker is black and red and has an extremely luxurious aesthetic and it kind of reminds me of the Prada Adidas collaboration earlier this year. Although the Prada and Adidas shoes were just black and white, these are black and red. 
but the uh, Miles Morales have a very premium feel. Um, and starting at the sole of the sneaker, we have a deep red rubber with a black midsole sitting on top of it. And the black midsole is also connected to a black shell toe. And then the black shell toe is connected to black lace eyelets that run up the front of the shoe. The mid panel, however, is the same deep red as the outsole. And dividing up that midsole, uh, mid panel, are three black stripes in leather. The Adidas logo on the heel of the shoe is black, but instead of that Adidas logo, it has a red spiderweb pattern running through it. While this shoe is not for me, it does seem high quality. Um, it's, it's just a bit too cheesy for me to wear, um, but I do think it's a decent looking shoe. I don't think too much hype is revolving around the shoe at all, and that's really okay. Uh, you know, hype is usually something that is good for energy of a shoe, but it's not necessarily good for longevity. So I do think this shoe might hold up for a year or two. Um, and because the PS5 is such a monumental release of the video game console, uh, the Miles Morales Adidas Superstar will be in our memories for a while, or the ones who at least know of it will have a memory of it. One sneaker, or series of sneakers, that I'm super excited for is the new collection of Pharrell Human Race NMDs. I really miss seeing Pharrell collaborate with Adidas, and everything seemed to sort of go downhill once he started collaborating on the NMD with the trail outsole. But now he returned to his origins with a flat NMD outsole, making the shoe much, much more comfortable and much, much, much more wearable. Back in 2016, Pharrell Reese released the first collection of the Human Race NMD in the yellow, red, blue, orange, black, and green colorways. But he never returned to the flat outsole until this month four years later. This collection has an all black colorway that released on 19th, but before that there was an all yellow pair, a green blue pair, uh, and that green blue pair actually had different color blocks on the midsole cage, uh, and that is something Pharrell has never done before, so that was pretty cool to see. There was also a an aqua pair that has a very neon futuristic aesthetic to it, and the midsole was also painted aqua so this entire shoe was monochromatic except for a black sock liner beyonce is returning to the sneaker world again in partnership once again with adidas releasing a new colorway of the ultra boost under the ivy park name this colorway is the black high res yellow and it's a very fitting name because the entire upper is completely black but the outsole is a very very vibrant neon yellow making it extremely noticeable compared to the stealthy upper. The boost is painted black as well, so that's pretty cool. Um, Adidas has been doing a lot more painted boosts on their NMDs and Ultra Boosts lately, so it's no surprise at all that um, this Beyonce collaboration would uh, bear that um, feature. Going in the 
pattern of previous Ivy Park Ultra Boost. There is a rope pull tab attached to the heel of the shoe placed right above the plastic heel cage. Instead of a traditional lacing system, there also seems to be a pulley and lace lock, something you'd find on a hiking shoe uh, where an infinity lace goes through it. So it definitely looks and acts as a performance running shoe or outdoor shoe. Uh, this was also released on the 19th. And also on the 19th, Reebok has released a trio of shoes in collaboration with the TV and YouTube show Hot Ones hosted by Complex. Uh, there's a Shacknosis colorway, you know, the Reebok high top, a classic leather colorway, the low top shoe, and a Club C85 colorway, another low top. This is super monumental for Complex, again, the media organization that um, hosts Hot Ones, because it shows um, a seriously high level of recognition from one of the most successful and memorable sneaker companies in existence. Although I do have to say it's a bit sad that a show revolving around celebs eating hot wings while being interviewed got a signature shoe instead of the full-size run show. Um, the full-size run crew hosts a show literally all about sneakers and I really can't think of anyone more deserving than them. Although with this collaboration, I think that this widens the margin for collaborations to be excited about and creates more space for smaller figures, companies, or brands to collaborate with sneakers and begin gaining a larger amount of recognition. It's wonderful to see people get the appreciation they deserve, especially when they're not well known. You can give Travis Scott a shoe to mess around with once a year and it'll completely eclipse any other shoe that year. Um, so it's good for companies like Nike, Reebok, Adidas to start uh, making smaller collaborations more significant, more acceptable, and uh, give them the spotlight because it's long overdue. And still, this is just a beginning to it. I think they have a lot more work to do in the department of um, publicity distribution. On the 24th, Converse did a series of Chuck Taylor all-star duck boot highs with Ambush, and it's a perfect company to collaborate, collab with because it is a combat shoe that one might actually wear during an ambush. <laughs> it's got a chunky black boot sole and midsole, a black nylon upper, black rubber mudguard that wraps around um, onto the toe box and all around the side of the shoe black rubber eyelets, and a puffy black leather cushion around the ankle. It's a dope, dark, grungy, futuristic boot, and it's something that has also a surprisingly luxurious feel to it. And for those who know Ambush, um, you've definitely seen other shoes like this that they've done. It is 100% a union of fashion and function. And the fashion element to this comes to light when you see the very light blue colorway of this boot that's entirely monochromatic. Entirely. So imagine everything I just said was in a light sky blue. It is definitely a designer shoe, it is definitely a functional shoe, 
and it looks epic. Uh, I wish this shoe got more space to thrive amongst the other sneakers releasing this week, but it definitely caught my eye, and I definitely greatly appreciate it. Ambush and Converse also released another um, series of sneakers on the 24th. And this time it was a uh, classic Chuck 70 high. Uh, the first one being in the fuzzy black egret colorway. The midsole is white, the shell toe is white, but the entire upper is a black fuzzy firm material. And like those cactus dunks from earlier, every inch of that upper is covered. However, there's a really cool contrasting element to the sneaker and that the those are the white laces that weave up their way up the front of the shoe i hope this makes ambush more widely seen uh even though these shoes are a bit hard to pull off and a bit hard to visually digest but hopefully a positive outcome uh is the result of this collaboration because they're all definitely dope sneakers no matter how out there they look like the combat boot, there's another colorway of this Chuck 70, and it's also blue. So we got two series of shoes, one black, one blue, but the blue Chuck 70 is a lot darker than the light blue of the combat boot. This time the midsole is still white on the 70. It's just the fur that changed color. Now this one, this next shoe I'm really excited about. This, uh, the Korean hip hop star, G-Dragon returned to Nike to release another G-Dragon Air Force One Paranoids. This time it's in a 2.0 colorway where the color blocking of the shoe has been flipped. This sneaker has a white outsole, a white midsole, a black swoosh on a white leather upper. And one of the really dope features of this is that the white leather upper can wear and tear away to reveal custom designed artwork that was designed by G-Dragon himself. Some other cool features on a shoe are the eyelet pins, kind of reminding me of those things you put in Crocs, but uh, for people of more sophistication. Uh, and in addition to the pins, there's an embroidered daisy on the tongue of the shoe, like we saw with the um, 1.0s earlier uh, this year. This is a, uh, no, last year. This is a follow-up to the 2019 colorway. And um, there's also really dope raw black ink streaks along the white midsole, whereas in the 2019, there were white streaks on the black insole, I believe. Uh, to be honest, this shoe looks much better than the original release to me. This is a style of sneaker that I really want to see thrive and be recognized as a sneaker representing great uh, creativity and just greatness itself. Um, it's unique, it's beautiful, uh, and it truly encourages the buyer to wear it um, because wearing it basically customizes the shoe without much uh, effort. Um, and through that, you also get a shoe that's personal to you, um, that's special. You get to kind of create your own relationship with it. Um, I do have to say, it's, it's a collaboration with a name smaller than Travis Scott, and it could really help bring smaller brands and smaller figures 
into the space of creating legendary sneakers that stay present in the mind of the public for a long duration of time. G Dragon is definitely an artist who's creating a space for more diversity and open-mindedness within the realm of collaborations in the post-Travis Scott and Nike world and the post-Kanye Adidas world. Hopefully G Dragon um, has set the stage for more sneakers like this to escape the uh, eclipse of hype that's been caused by Yeezy, Travis, Off-White, etc. Pharrell, yeah. Now, um, releasing on the 21st is the Recoacher Adidas. Yeah, I'm stopping. <laughs> I want to change gears. Our main story tonight is space. No, not Elon Musk, Star Wars, Interstellar, Christopher Nolan crap. I'm, I'm talking about the available bandwidth within a sneaker community regarding acknowledgement, appreciation, spotlight, and relative hype, sadly hype. By acknowledgement, I mean to what degree is the shoe recognized and appreciated? How much money is being put into the promotion of it? Um, and how much is this shoe seen or even known about? You know, to what degree is the shoe being obscured from the public eye? when it deserves to be put in the upper echelon of sneaker promotions. Why do some low quality but high name shoes take up so much more space than high quality no name, low name shoes? Um, and really, how can we create a more diverse spotlight that includes a wider spectrum of greatness? I want to dive into this concept of limited available space on the market and also reveal the approach and operations to broadening the spotlight, where that process starts, where it could lead, and also a few things about how things should be in the future. Ideally also, how the public fixation should be revolving around creative designs, boundaries being pushed, and sheer beauty rather than captivating names or um, so-called hype. So let's talk about space, how it should be used, uh, and how comp companies monopolize it. Nike purposely pushes away high-end, very talented designers who have smaller brands, only letting them collaborate on smaller, less-known silhouettes. This makes the public see them as relatively insignificant because they only get to show their work on sneakers deemed less significant by the public eye and norms that the sneaker community has created. This is how these companies save space for big names like Travis Scott, Virgil Abloh, Union, Fragment, J Balvin to thrive and promote their signature shoes like an Air Force One, Jordan One, or Jordan Five. Basically, they utilize the hype to make their brand larger and larger, using a much larger space for a small number of big names, instead of sharing the space with smaller names who can be more talented. The reason they decline to put the spotlight directly onto these smaller brands is because of the fear of losing public interest. However, the consequences are quite large because they permanently ostracize 
and put these talented people and brands into a subgenre of sneaker culture. If they did this for Virgil Abloh and Kanye, why can't they break away from what they're familiar with and do this with other creators? Why can't they let natural creativity flow? Why can't they stop delaying this new era of sneaker culture that we're waiting for? I think doing a dunk with Cactus Plant is a perfect example of moving towards the direction of opening up space for smaller, lesser known designers because yes, they gave Cactus Plant a dunk, but um, it's not an SB dunk. And we all know that SBs are the shit right now. And everybody is hungry for more SB dunk collabs. But again, another side to this is that Nike is making it okay for uh, super dope brands like Cactus to collaborate on lesser appreciated shoes like a dunk and 7S B dunk. One way to navigate through the less significant status that Nike places on brands is to um, design an entirely new silhouette. But for Nike to actually agree, you must be a real talented designer. This is where people like Jerry Lorenzo get it and deserve the spotlight. Jerry Lorenzo is a uh, paradigm of this because he's a brilliant artist and Nike recognized this. I mean, I uh, fanboyed over the Fear of God one for around two years and I finally got in hand and it feels like a sculpture on foot. Um, it's a it's a shoe of beauty and has character and individuality. And it's a sil silhouette that Nike had never done before. Um, and what this does is instead of letting himself be placed in this permanent lower priority area by collaborating on a lesser known silhouette, Lorenzo got Nike to let him design an entirely new shoe. And that's a big deal. It's how you get your name on the billboard of one of, as one of the greatest designers of all time in the sneaker world or entire fashion world. And that's what happened with Kanye too. They both had visionary designs and the brands they signed with didn't finesse them, but instead had a mutual boost of both the creator's public image and the image of the brand they collaborated with. What creating your own shoe also does is create a sneaker that doesn't need to compete for attention and create a p compete for space because it's unlike any other design presented by that company. The Air Fear of God one truly embodies that lack of competition because it was something unfamiliar yet beautiful, competitive on the basketball court yet confident on the streets of New York City. It had no one to compete with because it was this new futuristic cyberpunk looking as shoe and it uh, succeeded because of that new design and the fact that Nike was hosting it. If Jared Lorenzo did a collaboration on the Daybreak like uh, Undercover did, it would have been casually acknowledged and pushed to the side a bit. It would not have been revered as a symbol of greatness. Uh, and sadly, that's what happened with the Undercover collaboration. 
Now I want to talk about the benefits to letting lesser appreciated companies like Rude or Undercover, Ambush, Ricocher, Human Made, etc. collaborate on lesser known appreciated silhouettes. The reason is to make those underrated sneakers a bit more popular and make the image of lesser appreciated silhouettes almost as big a deal as the shoes in collaboration with big names. One might think that this would only succeed if you get big names to collaborate on small shoes instead of only letting the big names collaborate on big shoes. But they actually fail, and we've seen attempts at this. Do you guys remember the Travis Scott 270? It was a flop. It was a terrible design. And it also wasn't a special shoe. What about the Terra Kiger 5s or Vapor Streets that Virgil Abloh did? They were unappreciated as well, and they were fucking ugly. They were not a, uh, a pretty shoe by all means. They turned off the consumer from these shoes. So one side to this is that these designers actually stepped down creatively. They, they went from an Air Jordan down to a Air Max 270 and that's going backwards and slowing down the momentum they start at the top and went backwards and that that really creates a lot of um, tension and it also uh, waters down the significance of um, collaborators like Virgil or Travis or Kanye, even though Kanye has his own silhouettes, we all know the quality is going down with his shoes. We all know that he's oversaturating the market, and we all know that Kanye has pretty much fucked over his own company by releasing as many shoes as he's done and making them mass-produced. So... How can Nike get lesser appreciated shoes to be seen instead of using big names to promote them? Well, start off collaborating with small companies with small adjustments to the shoes. Start with small shoes and small companies and then get the small companies to collaborate with bigger brand shoes afterwards. So the shoes and the companies are moving upwards together That way, the company and the designer work to design upwards instead of downwards, like starting with a daybreak and going to a Jordan 1 instead of a Jordan 1 to a daybreak. The host company like Nike or Adidas will benefit greater from the collaboration because people will be familiar with the brand already and the real talented designers will become the host's priority and get a chance to do their take on signature shoes, which they very much deserve to do. Now we've seen these smaller shoes be collaborated on with smaller brands, but we haven't seen these smaller brands work up their way within a host company. So I wanna see Nike or Adidas make these smaller designers a priority and let them collaborate on big brand shoes. That way they can open up the space to real creatives. Um, they're basically halting and preventing their own evolution and growth. 
they need to create space for these talented lesser known designers and give them a chance and not put aside these people into a small subgenre of shoes. And also, host companies like Nike Adidas need to know when to let off and open up space for new people. Kanye is someone that Adidas needs to let go of soon. Yeah, I know that's kind of hard to hear, but it's a fact. Kanye's been working with Adidas for almost six years now. And I believe that he's been going downhill since 2019. And we all know that his mental health issues have not been helping his image and his creative, uh, his creative flow and creative stride. I really think that Kanye's only there because one, Adidas wants desperately to stay relevant and have a face to their brand that sucks in money and attention, but they're also afraid of change. They know that their Yeezys have been working for so long and have been a uh, um, kind of uh, the pride of their company for a while. But if they keep this going, it's going to be known as the downfall of their company. If they let go Kanye, who do they turn to? This is a question you might be wondering. Well, one of these smaller brands, obviously. Uh, they need to let go in order to recognize new talent. You know, Nike has been exercising Travis for three years now, but his sneakers are becoming tiring. And those who fanboy over his shoes are becoming a bit more jaded with his designs. As someone who really appreciates the his shoes, like the Travis Scott 1 or the Jordan 6, um, the Air Force 1 a bit less... The dunk a bit more, but definitely not the 270 at all. I'm becoming jaded with it. And I believe that this type of codependency between a collaborator and a host company, again, prevents this evolution and growth because it blocks out other creators from taking their place. Evolution and growth will be found in new designers because they provide a fresh perspective and they provide a fresh design language I started to believe that the sneaker community has been slowly withering out and uh, dying over the past year or so but I've also believed that we're at the dawn of a new era but that era will only commence if not only some fresh talented eyes are brought to the table but if they're respected too and that era will only commence if some of the old collaborators are put on hold for a while. To give the sneaker community a space for new creators to come to light and share what they have to say. This way, the public will be given a breather, a period of time to step away from what we've all considered as cool or hype or interesting. And we can take a little bit of a break to um, restart our appetite, to, you know, recharge and get hungry for new shoes again. Uh, we need a break. We need space to realize 
how much we miss quality shoes. The public will be given a breather period of time and then be introduced to something fresh and unencumbered by previous expectations and assumptions. The community will finally be able to feed their minds and their feet with something new and interesting. We'll see a new Kanye, a new Pharrell, a new Travis, a new Virgil Abloh, a new Jerry Lorenzo, and hopefully we'll enjoy some new blood out in the world of sneakers. And we'll be able to see that on the concrete, on the courts, on the asphalt, on the linoleum, wherever the fuck you see shoes day to day. But for this new era to happen, we need to get excited for one thing, but also let go of what's been going on for the past few years. Um, And that's tough to do but I really think it's going to be worth it because I really, really think that there are a lot of brilliant minds out there that have been um, closed off from these big name companies. And if these brilliant minds get a host company to give them a chance, then we can really be um, gifted with a special, a special vibe, a special sneaker, a special new character to um, let into this world of fashion now that's all I have today that was the second episode of the epic sneakers podcast and I really hope you enjoyed and welcome back if you've been here since the trailer of the first episode or welcome to this series if this is your first listen. This has been the Epic Sneakers Podcast, and I'm your host, Julian Ray. Mm-hmm.